0: You're listening to the Punisher Waterfowls, the Union 0430 podcast.
1: Hey everybody, welcome back to the Union 0430 episode 139, and it's been a while, but we got them back right after the Toronto Sportsman Show, right when the hype is there. We had seven calls from Russie Heron at the... Toronto sportsman show and they sold like hotcakes um so we've got Rusty heron on tonight and we've pretty much got a full house except for philly who's down in the t dot probably smacking around a crack dealer or something i don't know but he's probably policing or, and protecting or us donut. or donut whichever what is it what it's do you think dave yet, what do so you I think dave you know, he always gets a firefighter joke in when you're not here, man. So mm-hmm. I'll, w- I'll
2: wait till he's here.
1: Oh, nice. you're not like that, eh? You're not behind the back type of dude. Either I will way. tell
2: you, NWA has my favorite song.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Fuck the police. Um, Mark's coming to us from Nova Scotia. Ryan's in Nova Scotia. Dave's up in Concord, And... Rusty is all the way in southwestern Ontario, uh, near the United States border, and I'm uh, just between Kingston and, and Napanee, Ontario. So, fellas, um, great to see you. Great to have you all back together. I wish Philly was here because um, I I actually I absolutely love when Rusty gives Philly the gears. Um, as usually makes for a good show, but uh, either way. Philly will make it up. We'll have to get Rusty on again. But uh, I wanted to start off the show uh, with, and I'm a little bit biased here, how successful the Refuge was at the Toronto Sportsman Show this past week. And Dave and I were there. And uh, you know what? If there was any doubt that... The community wanted something like this. I think we proved it uh, this past weekend, Dave.
2: Yeah, I think uh, I think based on the feedback, it was very. People were very happy that there was a waterfowl presence there because they yeah. never had that before, other than maybe one booth here, one booth there, or like a um, a turkey call making company that has a couple goose calls or something like that. Right. But there was never anything there for like waterfowlers to go and like half the time they were just there just
1: shooting the shit so and and even though he's gonna curse me out once this show is over i will on behalf of dave and i thank rusty um for the simple fact that uh nobody knows this but i'll put it out there into the universe because rusty from the sidelines have been has been a great sounding board for both of us on this refuge idea and um he donated the seven calls to us to sell for us to recover some costs and in in putting together the booth the refuge our hotels meals travel and everything like that so solid move on your part russie and we can't thank you enough because um just to let you know, you paid for our hotel rooms and a very, very good night of drinking. Just to let you know. <laughs> Do you know who Rusty is? I, yeah. I was thinking about this and I was, Santa Claus? This at,
2: no, no, I was going to say this at the very <laughs> end. Like, He's like that cool older brother that you grow up with, like admiring all the time. Yeah. And you're like, fuck, and and we're the nerdy siblings (laughs) that like, we can't get girls, none of that shit. And then like in the movie, Rusty moves away to Vegas and becomes a male porn star and he's got the greatest life ever. And then he like, we're having a shit day. And he like comes back and brings us like whatever movie stardom shit happens. It's like, Rusty's the fucking older, awesome brother. That's who he
1: is. Have you seen that movie, The Girl Next Door with Alicia Cuthbert? Oh, fuck. I watch that all the time. Yeah. Well, Russ sees that dude with Alicia Cuthbert.
3: There's the, the no way the... Dave doesn't have this written out and planned. There's no way he just <laughs> pulled this out. It. No, no chance.
1: Oh, he I think told- he, I think he went, I think he, I think this is straight from the heart, buddy. Uh, that was he straight told- from the heart, man. You was... Amazon to teleprompter, be honest. Yeah, <laughs> I, and I—that
2: I, wasn't even the movie I was thinking of. I was thinking more of like a fucking Ryan Reynolds movie, and he's Ryan Reynolds, right? Oh, like fucking. Ooh. just. If you
3: think for a second, I'd even contemplate putting in a, a buy for the Ottawa Senators.
2: a boy, go on Leafs, now. go! Come no, on, I, yeah, my apologies. All right, now uh, listen.
3: Uh, I don't like a, the uh, the thank man. yous and all that. You guys know that. <laughs> That's not why I do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you guys are like family. I love you. So I was glad to be a small part of it. That's that's the the start and the end for me. Um, awesome.
1: Well, I just I wanted to put it out there just to let everybody know just how awesome a dude you are. Um, yeah, so I'll, be, I'll beat you up behind the scenes for that. Yeah, that. I, oh, I have no doubt about it. I told uh, I told Trish about what you uh said to Benny about coming up to me and asking me, saying, uh, "Oh, I didn't know you had a daughter." And tr- <laughs> yeah, Benny would have got knocked the fuck out right there if he would have come <laughs> up <and> so-, <laughs> so we were at- he, he we would have been
3: at- all hashtag me to Jimbo, eh?
2: At work one time there's this guy that thought he was like a ladies' man, and he also they convinced him that one of the uh, older managers had a daughter that was very good looking, and <laughs> The first time that that older manager started walking by, he stood up, turned, and looked at him, and goes, "Hey, uh, I won't." Hey, manager's name? I heard you have a daughter. And the guy looked at him and goes, "No," and he just <laughs> walked away. <laughs> Absolutely not.
1: But uh, no, but seriously, you know, and all joking aside, like the refuge, uh, it was our first kick at the can and and this is what we said to a lot of people and and ryan america i'm sorry i'm going to be boring you with this for a little bit but you know we talked to a few people and and there was some there was some hesitation on a lot of businesses right because they didn't know exactly what the toronto sportsman show was going to look like this year they didn't know if um if there was going to be the appetite for that sort of uh of a of a of a site where the refuge something totally dedicated to uh uh, one group of hunters but man I gotta tell you I was pretty impressed uh I was impressed by the amount of people this will sound weird I was impressed by the amount of people that came up to us that that had heard about us that listened to the show and follow us on social and then I was also surprised on the people that are you know, around Dave's area and around mine that hadn't heard about us. Cause I thought, you know, we had, we had done a pretty good job on the social media side. So obviously we've got to, we've got to step up our social media game because there's still a lot of people that, that haven't heard, heard about us, but you know what? Uh, like I was telling Rusty yesterday when we were chatting, um it, it's weird when when people come up to you I I love the fact that people listen to the show but it makes me uncomfortable as hell when people come up and and start throwing out kudos because I, I really don't know how to uh I really don't know how to accept them and but then telling the story about how this show came along you know between uh, the five of us uh, there's a lot of chuckles when I was telling the stories I was like man we were just we're scattered all over Canada. We just wanted to sit around and chat about hunting. And then they were like, really? That's all. I was like, that's all it was. We weren't even supposed to go past duck season. We were supposed to stop. Mm-hmm. And then we just kept going, just kept going. And here we are 139 episodes in. And uh, you know what? is pretty amazing. And we met some pretty amazing friends along the way.
2: How, how much has our family expanded though?
1: Oh, you know, well, so are- yeah, that's the thing, right?
2: Yeah, like, all these new brothers we got like Rusty and like all these other guys that have been on the show and people, you know, it's, it's kind of expanded the family group. It's, that's kind of the coolest thing that I've seen. A lot
1: of connections, a lot of connections. And, and I, I remember Rusty, you saying this a long time ago to me where you said, you know, um, everybody thinks that it's this big gigantic world, this waterfowling world. Um, but it is not, it is small. And if you think you're going to be a douchebag in this world and not get found out, you're going to find out pretty quick that, that you would, that everybody hears everything.
3: Yeah, no, hundred percent on that for sure. And, uh, just to touch on what Dave said about, you know, gaining more brothers, um, it's bigger than just you guys too. Oh, of course. Right grimsby this year mm-hmm. i got to meet steve segulik and that's because of this right like straight up that's that, that's just because of this show what you guys do and you know if that guy called me tomorrow and needed anything i'd be all about it right so you know you guys have made family but man that extended family has really made some family and it's made the waterfowling community that much tighter
1: yep uh, i that I think that's, that's a goal, right? Like that, that's one of the goals of the show. And, um, you know, I, I've often wondered in my, in my mind, I always have this, you know, what my ultimate goal is of, of the brand and, and all this stuff. And, and when we were talking the other night, Rusty, and you told me what your goal is for your brand, um, and I'd love for you to share it because it is, when you think about it, how, how small you are in this world, um, your outlook puts a very big spin on, on us being a very small portion of the world. Yeah. I mean, uh, thanks for putting me on the spot, but. uh, (laughs) That's what I do. That's sort of my thing.
3: So, you know, some people want fame. Some people want fortune. All I really want from my calls, any one of the calls I make, it doesn't matter, make, model, none of that. I really hope one day when I'm gone that maybe a grandson or a great grandson or great granddaughter is out hunting somewhere or out at an event like the Toronto sportsman show somewhere and starts to hear a call and somehow the person that's blowing the call and my, you know, great, great grand, whatever it might be, end up meeting and connecting. And hopefully the person that's blowing a call is blowing one of my calls Uh because that's what it's all about for me. You know, like I, I don't want to be famous. You know, I, I don't want any of that. There, there's too many responsibilities that come with that that I, I just know I can't live up to. But you know what? If if one day, 15 years, 20 years after I'm gone, one of my family members, however far or distant they may or may not be, can run into somebody and they can talk about something that I had a big part of, um, hopefully it can put a, a smile on their face, right? Like, you know, my dad was a carver and I run into people every now and then that have one of his carvings and as much as it sucks for me that he's no longer here that like is the biggest lifter Uh of the human spirit that you can get in my opinion for me right and Uh everybody's different there there's no wrong in, you know when when you enter any kind of business there's no wrong in whatever you want it to be for yourself right but you know i just hope that you know it can help people be uplifted long after i'm gone you know that that to me would be the ultimate win
1: right so yeah absolutely buddy absolutely um you know i think i think dave and i have flooded the last 48 hours or the last 72 hours whatever i'm not i'm not a mathematician i shoot birds um But we flooded social media with with the Toronto Sportsman Show and and things that we've done. So, uh, I don't know. I think think it's time to pass on, you know, to move past the Toronto Sportsman Show. Um, There's more to come. Yeah, go for it, Dave.
2: I agree. I think that it's time we stop talking Sportsman Show and start talking just like Rusty talked about, Grimsby. August 19th.
1: Grimsby Grimsby's around the corner, man. And um, I don't know if you've been talking to Steve Rusty, but the plan this year is so last year when they had done it and and you'll remember it well, it was it was a scorcher heat wise and everyone was all sun fucked uh, that day. And then you had to go that night in to do a a DU dinner. Um, And, you know, it just wasn't a fundraising uh, atmosphere right everyone was tired everyone was had the shit kicked out of them from all day so this year they're doing it on two separate days so the dinner is going to happen I think uh probably four or five weeks after the Grimsby show so um two events this year and I think by by everything I'm hearing it's going to be bigger um this year coming than it was last year so that's that's good news that and- uh-
2: Oh, sorry. I don't know. I was just gonna say my goal is to not be on morphine for it this year.
1: Yeah, I would appreciate it <laughs> if you if you were able to make it down to <laughs> and not high as a kite. I
2: I won't have a motorbike, so
1: <laughs> yeah. I'll
2: do something else stupid. <laughs> but... Oh without a doubt.
1: <laughs>
2: Go ahead, Russ. Sorry.
3: That show shed a big light that what you guys were able to do at the refuge was possible. Mm-hmm. because pre the Grimsby show last year, if you guys would have called me with that idea, I'd have laughed. Yep. Um, but now I will agree with you. It's time to stop talking about Toronto sportsman show 2023. Yep. But it's time to start talking about 2024.
1: Oh, we've already started. I'm, there, there's a handful of people that opened her inbox this morning that are just like this fuck really I thought we got rid of them and now we got to deal with them now for another 12 months um so yeah but you know the Grimsby thing you know Russ and and you touched on a real good point because um to the best of my knowledge nobody had really tried to do anything like Grimsby where it was just strictly a waterfowl. Like I I remember Steve Ellamy doing a thing up in the Tweed area before, but that was like a, that was an all encompassing show with a little bit of everything into it. It Sort of like a mini Toronto sportsman show. Right. But Steve and them, it was, it was a a fundraiser for DU, uh, very waterfowl centric with the calling competition attached to it. Um, and they pulled it off and it was a success. Um, no matter how you look at it, it was a success. Uh, and yeah, kind of paved the way for Dave and I to come up with this idea that, that we had for, for the Toronto sportsman show. So, and I remember you telling me, um, that it was the best you've ever done at a Canadian show. Oh, well, it's it, not even close. Yeah. That's how much it was the bad like,
3: and, take the sales right out of it Mm -hmm. Um, because at the end of the day they're honestly not that important the amount of people that came through such a and when I say small area I'm just talking the Grimsby area like it it definitely seemed small and remote to me and I'm not saying there's not quite a few million people in the surrounding area within a couple hours but it was a fairly warm day outside Mm -hmm. people came and they weren't two seconds in and out mm-hmm. they stayed hung like around they, yeah they really encompassed everything in the, the event had to offer and i wasn't expecting that i've been to so many shows especially since the internet has really become a thing because i can remember shows before the internet when people used to have to use paper maps to get everywhere uh-huh. where, when shows would just be inundated with people because that was the only way you could see the latest and greatest but in in today's day and age where everybody can just get behind a computer and with a couple clicks of the mouse, they're they're listening to the the brand new whatever game called. They're looking at the latest and greatest decoys on the market. You know, it's definitely put a damper on live person shows from what I've seen over all my years in the industry. And this was just the complete and polar opposite of that. Uh-huh. So you know kudos to everybody involved there because i can't wait to come back i can't wait to come talk to people share my passion with people and you know hopefully meet some new friends brothers and sisters
1: but so, it, it it shows the swing that we're we're making right like ryan you and Mark, um you guys bounced around and tramps around the ottawa valley and hunted a lot for you know four or five years um And you guys were were very active within the Ontario waterfowl scene, Um, you know. And I can remember, I can remember a time when it seemed like the waterfowling community in Ontario was not even remotely close to being uh, tight. And and I still think we've got a ways to go. But you know, for you guys when you were watching things and watching how things unfolded and now you hear us talk about the Grimsby event and the Toronto sportsman show, mm-hmm. like how does that differ from, from what your thoughts were, you know, four years ago when you guys were beaten around here?
4: Um, I remember going to like DU or Delta events and you would go with like the group of guys you associated with and hunted with. Yeah. And there'd be other groups of dudes and dudettes from other areas. And it was like, it was like being like biker week, and we were like rival bike gangs. Like, there there was like, yeah, there was like this animosity. You don't even know these people. Like, that yeah, somebody over the, the other table could be a paramedic that could save your life. You didn't care because you're like <laughs> that guy shot more greenheads than me this year. Like you just don't give a shit. Like it's just yeah. it's so it was so dumb, it was so weird. And I, like I'm from, I grew up in Nova Scotia, so the waterfowling community here is tiny, and there's not a lot of waterfowlers. Period. So there's not much competition. But Ontario is, you know, from like Ottawa south is extremely competitive, especially where Rusty is. So it's like there is this competitive nature to it and uh, you have to i don't know i've never experienced anything like it whether it's out east or out west ontario is its own thing Beast. but I'm, yeah yeah but i'm glad to hear it's it's getting better so i mm-hmm.
1: i think there's still some work to do but but i think we're we're, we're taking the step forward mark what are your thoughts
0: when we got going in the ottawa valley area it was just kind of like the tip of the iceberg it was the it was the venturing outside, to go, the going down to, to Kingston, and going to the different places that really, really, for me, opened up the community. I mean, if you stay in your own area and go to your own dinners, that's great. You're supporting that. But I think when you step outside and go to these different areas, you meet a lot more people. Yeah, and, good point. Uh, and it was, it was, especially towards the end before I left Ontario, I mean, I, I, I wasn't even hunting very much, but yet I still was meeting more people, more and more people. Right? It was great. I loved it. It was, it was, a, it was a good area. I mean, yeah, super competitive. Like, I don't know if I'll ever come. come Maryland might have been a bit more competitive than, than southern Ontario, but look at the size of it, right? Yeah, uh, but it was super competitive in that area for 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 hunting in in different areas, but uh, but still, if you, if you step outside the the competitiveness of trying to find places to hunt and secure fields and stuff the community seemed seemed to be at the end for me it was, it was, it was great i, I love meeting mm-hmm. people and uh any and then getting involved with uh with you damien and, and all the stuff we've been doing since yep. God was when. away now yeah uh, that's even like that's made it even better so
4: speaking of like competitiveness like i may have told a story on here before but i'm gonna tell it again Uh, it was like early goose season, the early goose season opener one year. And I had just found like a, there wasn't a lot of wheat fields in the Pembroke area coming off that year. And we had a farmer who habitually produced, he lived close to the river. So early season birds don't fly far. I'm just like, I think this is going to be good. He's got one of the few wheat crops. So I started watching like early in August and I asked him for permission for opening day, like stupid early. And he said, yeah. I was like kind of a flyer, kind of a Hail Mary. And he's like, yeah, go ahead, man. I was like, do you mind if I if I mark it? He goes, yeah, go ahead. There's only like one gate access to that property. So I was like, cool. So I went and put a sign on it. Flash forward like two and a half, three weeks later, it's it's loaded. It's like the only field around that has birds. And now we're like a week out from the opener and everybody's scouting and panicking. And we've got like the hottest field, you know, north of Ottawa probably. And, and I've got it, I've got it signed off. Well, Mark, I tell Mark about it. And he's like, yeah, I'm going to, we're kind of rotating, like scouting the birds. And he goes there one day and he's like, Hey, it's like the sign's gone. I was like, what do you mean? The sign's gone. It's like, it's gone. He's, he's like, hold on a sec. So he texts me back like 10 minutes later and he found it in the woods. So somebody cut the sign and just fired it in the woods. So he's like, don't worry, I'll take care of this. So the next day he sends me another picture and he has like one inch plywood with like stenciled spray paint that we're hunting on opening day twenty you know twenty fifteen whatever year it is, and then he has this giant Mister T chain going through both both like holes in this plywood to this metal fence. He's like, there. Let's see him take it now. And like that's as ridiculous as it is. That's what the kind of steps he had to do because you got it's a bunch of yeah. I I
2: thought 40, you were going thousand pound chain. <laughs>
4: yeah, it was. What are you saying, Dave?
2: Oh, I thought you were going to go a different route. Like, fucking, <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, they took our sign and he went and searched for it. And then two days later, he sends me a picture and he's in a ghillie suit with a sniper rifle, saying mm. "fuck these guys." <laughs> if they cut that's the chain, it's a story. No, that's not actually. You.
0: Ryan yeah. and marion our buddy, slept in the field that night <laughs> before we hunted that day.
1: Hashtag Dead Vacation. <laughs> but yeah so (laughs) yeah yeah, (laughs) skunk and i don't mean that i don't mean to say this um and maybe you guys will jump in and correct me on on the way this sounds but um and i'm i gotta try and say this to not sound as douchebaggy as possible but what i've learned over the last Three years, three, four years, especially being down in this area of Ontario, that the competition is still alive and the competition is alive and well and 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 that's a and I think it's a good thing. I think it's a good thing that that people push you to um, to get out of your comfort zone, probably getting up earlier, putting a little bit more effort into finding your birds and scouting and stuff like that. but what I found is that the most hardcore hunters are often the most willing to accept somebody else in Tudor fold. Does that make sense by me saying that? No, it doesn't make sense, Rusty. Okay, so what I mean is that the person that is just a straight-up killer that just you know does it right scouts hard finds the property is a straight up killer is more welcoming than the people that are pretending to be killers that pretend to put in all this work um if if you show a genuine work ethic and interest into doing your hunting the right way chances are you'll get more open arms into joining other people. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. And that may not have come across properly either. Eh, no. Rusty's still shaking his <laughs> head. Either way, I'm going to go smoke some dope and you guys can <laughs> keep talking.
2: <laughs>
3: hey, it's just a southwestern Ontario thing. gaming I mean, That the bigger killer you become down in yeah. these parts, the less yeah. friends you have because every friend you had yeah, is going to sell you out for one of your spots and you know you can lease this field for a thousand and somebody he knows is going to come offer the farmer three but yeah, then the guy that offers the farmer three one of his buddies is going to turn around and offer five like it it turns into a measuring contest so the best killers i know yeah their group of friends that they hunt with is usually less than five fingers deep
1: yeah Hmm. Oh, I, it's awesome. I, I like. I can see both sides of it. It's just when I when I meet people now, um, I tend to find that the pretenders are are the ones that are that are ignorant. The ones that do it, um, they're the ones that are that are more um open to uh, meeting and chatting and and discussing things. So, but. Yeah, you know and every every area is different right like you look at where you look up where dave is like they don't have a ton of waterfowl hunters up there where he is because there's no waterfowl well there's you've got geese um Uh, but then you look down where ryan like there's nobody there's nobody down where ryan is no there's lots there's
4: there's lots don't come here there's tons of waterfowlers yeah but we
1: never talk about where you were for that reason We never say where you are, Ryan, for that very reason. Ryan has easy.
2: Ryan has a friend named Mark with a ghillie suit, (laughs) and he's a good shot. There's
0: there's tons of waterfowlers, but there's only mergansers to hunt.
2: So
0: yeah, okay. getting that band. I
2: I wanted to segue here. We were talking about how um, the Grimsby, because of Grimsby, Rusty was able to see that something like the Sportsman Show was working, right? Right. I'd also like to bring out that because of what has been going on in the world the last few years, we've been seeing a lot of different ways for competitions to occur, like the Call Nuts shootout and various call making competitions and stuff. And since we have Rusty on, I really wanted to pick his brain on those Mm -hmm. because I think that this is great that, like, this call maker shootout that's going on right now it's amazing. Like I love watching and seeing it and, and seeing what they come up with. Cause I'm like, you guys are making a call in an hour. Like, how is this even possible? And then, and it sounds good too. And they look great. Yeah. Like look great. Sound great. I love, I love the promo
4: shots for the, the match. <laughs> yeah. Right. Those are
1: great. It was like, man, was like, I'm like, is there a pay per view for this? This looks yeah. legit. Yeah, it's like you need you need that uh, Bruce Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. You need oh, that yeah. you need that voice behind there. Shout the out monster to Greg truck.
2: Taylor and Riley.
1: Yeah. It the, yeah. But but Rusty. It, You're right, Dave. Oh, sorry, buddy. I cut you off. Go. No, for no. It. I was just
2: gonna say, Rusty. Like, why don't you talk about first off, like, what is we'll start with the call maker shootout what is the call maker shootout in your eyes like is it a good thing is it great for is it just a fun like haha or so
3: for me the call maker shootout my me personally as a call maker it is 100% a haha like not even I don't take it serious Behind the scenes, the amount of trash talking that goes on between call maker to call maker, and I'm probably the root cause of the majority of it.
1: Oh, I, are, I, I'm pretty sure. Nut. I'm pretty sure we can all hang our hat on that one. He's the but, shit disturber of call nuts. <laughs>
3: but, but, it, but it, it's absolutely epic. Uh, I don't ever claim to be the world's greatest duck call maker. I don't even think I'm the world's greatest goose call maker by any stretch. But goose calls are kind of what I know and understand. Duck calls to me are, they're foreign. That's the easiest way to put it. I I don't necessarily understand everything that happens on one. So when I get lucky one every 50 and hit something good, I really don't know how to duplicate it at this point in time. Now I've learned a lot, but I'm in the shootout to just have fun. Now this is year two of it and I have now, competed in six rounds, I think. And I've learned so much. And this is what's crazy is when I make a goose call, a short build for me is four hours. That's a very short build. Most are longer than that. And it's not because they have to be, but this is this, this whole call-making thing for me is just a way of expressing myself artistically, I guess you could say. And I don't ever know of any artists that were ever in a rush to get their craft done.
1: And right? and so, ladies and gentlemen, you should be happy because Rusty did try interpretive dance one time to get his feelings out, and it wasn't pretty. So
2: Yeah, that's because you were trying to be his partner, though. <laughs> yeah,
1: my, my
3: groin still hurts from that time trying to do the scissor splits, but I now, I
2: so for, for the people that don't know the callmakers shootout is eight competitors. They have, they go head to head live on Facebook on the call nuts community, right? Uh, it's, they,
3: it's actually, uh, it's way bigger than call nuts. Uh, it's okay. across all kinds of different platforms, but call nuts is definitely a good hub where you can be caught up on everything. And
2: yeah. And then they get one hour to build a duck call they can make it how a plain or how elaborate they want, but it still has to make a good quack at the end. Right now.
3: Yeah. So, so the, there's three judges this year and one doesn't, is it like what they call an overall judge? So he takes into account the technical difficulties of your build, right? Like sure. It's one thing. I'm just looking in front of me here. You build this, This call, okay, it's it's a piece of acrylic, an aluminum band and a wood insert. The insert has an oil finish. That's the easiest finish you can put on a call that's wood, in my opinion. The band is just a simple piece of aluminum that's been sanded and polished up. Nothing technically difficult about it. The band fit, different story. Acrylic is an easy material to turn, but it's time consuming and drilling and cutting because you can't be as aggressive removing material as you can with wood the trick with acrylic is can you get it to a real gloss polished finish in an hour but these guys are going way above what this call is they're doing inlays and caps and crazy (laughs) stuff with bands and i won't lie when i did the first episode last year I didn't have a clue if I could build a call in an hour. I set my iPad up in the corner and I put like 27 different alarms in it so I could keep track of time. And when the first one went off at 15 minutes, I honestly felt like I had drilled about a quarter inch into the first hole I had to do. I hadn't even turned anything yet. And I was like, good Lord, there is no way. And I somehow managed to get a call completed in 59 minutes and 30 seconds. And since then, it's just been an ever-evolving hamster on the wheel, trying to figure out what kind of absolute craziness can I come up with and do in a one-hour window. And there's more than one ways to build a call, whether it's a duck call, a goose call, a coyote call, a fox call, a rabbit call. It does not matter. There's always more than one way to do it. And from being able to sit back these last two years and watch all the episodes, like if somebody ever wanted to get into call-making and that is probably my biggest give when it comes to this shootout. And one of the biggest driving forces behind everybody, not just myself included. Well, yes, some of us are there to be serious. Some of us are there to just really have a fun time. It is so awesome that we're reaching audiences that never realized how easy call making can be if they would like to get into it you don't need a massive expensive setup you can do it with some bare minimum tools and it's just opening a lot of doors for more people to get involved in this and to me that is just a a a massive win um the, the more people i don't care if you're 67 years old and retired or if you're 14 years old you know and just just got into high school and you have a little bit of a a a light for the whole waterfowl thing like the more people we can attract to this to try and get involved in this the the better of a chance this craft has of not dying out hunter numbers seem to be at record lows anymore and if Uh that trend continues then eventually this all disappears one day so the more people we can invigorate to maybe, hey, you know what? You don't have to be the next Tim Grounds, the next Butch Richenbach RNT calls, right? You can just be little Jimmy John over in the corner in, you know, the middle of nowhere, Nova Scotia. You know That's, you a, that's a shot with- at
1: you, Ryan. Remember no, that? It's, ap- it's, yeah. it's not a uh, shot.
3: It's, it's just, you know, in today's day and age, you can connect with people all across the world. Whether it's for for learning, for for advice, for mentorship, whatever it may be. Like- no, no, I know.
1: I know it wasn't a shot. It was a couple of episodes. I had asked Ryan. I was like, "Why haven't? Why hasn't Ryan? Because uh, he knows calls, right? He knows how they work, and 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 knows the details of them. And and I asked him. I posed a question to him a couple of weeks ago when it was just him and I on the show. I said, "Why haven't you gotten into? You know try trying your hand at it to see to see if you you know if it was something you'd be into so that that's what I meant by it um Ryan,
2: I sent Ryan my four calls and he tried them out. Mm-hmm. they were good well, they were so they
3: were so really good. so i am gonna parlay this into something bigger yeah I, Seeing as how seen as how you don't claim to know much about all that stuff, Damien, what's holding you up?
2: He's actually diving into something else right now. Mm -hmm. No, Mm -hmm. no, I don't Uh. want no excuses. Yeah. He sent me pictures. He's transitioning. (laughs) Uh, No,
1: but so, Rusty, just on just going on your on your thought process there. So um, we've all seen on social media, you know, that that 14 year old kid, jump on and and show a picture of a bird he shot and uh just wondering what this is and see a pile of people jump on to him and <laughs> and and just absolutely murdered his fucking kid um but yet in the call community and and i'm not into call nuts as much as why you guys are but i do follow it as much as i can <laughs> but the atmosphere within call nuts is it is very welcoming to teach and to pass on um Words of wisdom and and little tips and tricks. Would you not agree? It's, it's inclusive. It's inclusive. Very, yes. very well. I,
3: I would you. agree to an extent. Yeah. Not okay. everybody is on board. Okay. With that, there are there are quite a few that are totally against the grain on that. Um, okay. And not to take a shot at them, but I've told a few of them this face to face. So I'll say it now in case somebody. Yep. that is in that stance is listening
1: yeah you
3: don't gain anything by dying with your secrets
4: <laughs> you gain
0: nothing
3: when you have a Boy. wealth of knowledge to share with the world you gain absolutely nothing by taking that all with you yeah
1: okay, fair, that but, that's like you, but like you but like look at dave done. look at dave dave is very much um, very much invested into call nuts, spends a lot of time on it, knows a lot of people. Dave is, you know, trying to perfect his own craft. Um, And yet he just stands by, sits in the background, doesn't, you know, doesn't fucking uh, uh, toot his own horn or anything. But by all accounts, by everybody that I know that knows shit about duck calls, say he's doing good things. Yet he'll still go out of his way to try and help other people, even though he's not an expert, but he do know some things. Um, he's still going out of his way to help people. And I think that's the environment that that call nuts is creating. Sure. There's going there's always going to be somebody that's not, that doesn't fucking toe the party line, but for the most part, it seems as though that, you know, as Ryan would say, it is very inclusive yes
3: mm, so, 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 so so I do see mm. that I just I just wanted to throw it out there that not everybody not everybody sees the glass half full right, right. cuz uh, I can't lie so the difference to use exact your example the reason there's a lot of us the majority and when I say us I'm not trying to sound inclusive I'm just there's a pile of us that want to pass on this great tradition to as many people as we can help yep Because I don't ever view competition as a bad thing, no matter what you're doing in life. Competition is a good thing. It makes you do better on your own with your own. So the difference between a 14-year-old kid that goes and shoots and kills something and posts a picture up and says, what is this? Versus a 14-year-old kid trying to build something that asks for help. There's a 14-year-old kid that pulled the trigger, didn't know what he was shooting at, and he never bothered to ask for help first. He waited until he made the mistake before asking. So the majority of us on Call Nuts, the second we see any youngster wanting to get involved in this sport, we don't want those mistakes. I don't want, because as much as I can make in in the Call Maker shootout, I can make it look simple and easy to, grab a piece of wood and turn it on a lathe real quick and get down to a shape you know and a a, at least a a half decent finish real quick you know what it's really easy for a little kid to get a little too ambitious and take one pass where he's trying to remove too much material everything goes snap boom bang he gets splinters he's bleeding and then he never wants to turn a call again or even more importantly and Dave I guarantee you know this making a duck call that's even remotely close enough to being something you could take hunting with any kind of confidence is not an easy thing there are so many variables that if you don't hit on all of them you're never making anything more than a piece of turned wood because it won't make any sound that's even close you know what the last thing i want the last thing i want is a kid a senior anybody that has interest in this to go oh my goodness what? Wow. look at this i just spent 15 hours doing this and now i'm gonna
0: <laughs>
3: i quit i don't ever want that to happen yeah so if i can help somebody so that they never even have that train of thought to quit then, as far as I'm concerned, we're all making the world a better place that way.
2: See, I'm I'm stuck on the part where I can't make a repeatable, same-sounding, same-blowing, feeling call. That's and like I haven't been turning since June because of because I'm an idiot. But um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember. But evil can evil. <laughs> yeah, so. The thing is, is that I can turn 50 staircase railings and make them all look like a bunch of duck calls put together, but it's getting that, that tone board is such an, it's a musical instrument and the, the type of wood, the sandpaper, like everything affects everything. And it's just such, once you get down to it, you can't, it's one of those things that you get into it and you keep getting into it. And then finally you're like, man, I. I got far enough now with enough, like Rusty, you helped me a few times and, and Ryan Douglas and a bunch of other people have all helped me through this. And I'm now at the point where it's like, well, I've got far enough that I'm not going to give up on all that other stuff that I've learned. I've got to kind of tweak and figure this out. So I think the helping to get the person to that point is what I like seeing myself. Right. They're, they're not going to give you the the trade secret. Like, Oh, well you put a 20 degree angle on this board here, blah, blah, blah. Like, They're going to get you to the point where you can turn a decent looking call and you can make a quack. Now it's up to you to kind of figure the fun stuff out, right? That's how I see it.
1: But isn't, but, and this is me, but like for you, Dave, so let's say, you know, you get that help, uh, you get the shape that you want, all that stuff. But then the tone board that that's distinctively yours, right? Like that's you, that's just nothing but trial and error, before you get that point and that and no one can take that away from that's your tone board right no um
2: i'm not i'm not being like there's people that use like a public jig yes the same public jig right right Um, but i think there's some like trending hashtag something about flat jigs or something i don't know i can't remember what the, the hashtag is but rusty might know it
3: Flat a, j- hashtag flat jig and find out.
2: Flat jig and find out. if you use a,
3: if you use a public jig, and I might know the creator of that hashtag, if you use a public jig, it already has The radius here, and this is terrible. you probably can't see it, but there's there's a curve radius here, and it already has that built in. So if you ever buy a public jig and want to turn calls, which if you're just starting, there's nothing wrong with having that success rate at the beginning. The ancient secret to a public jig is learning proper drill depth. Because if your drill depth isn't far enough, it won't do this. If it's too far, it won't have any hold, which is all your squealy stuff on on the back. So a public jig can be a great learning tool. The reason I'm trying to make the hashtag flat jig and find out so popular is I've had lots of help building a duck call that I really still don't understand what I'm doing with over the years. I've had like eight or nine calls now that I've cut off a flat jig. And what a flat jig does is it doesn't put a profile into the tone board. I've learned more off of those calls than everything combined. And the beautiful part about a flat jig is it just drives you in to keep learning and learning and learning instead of, Oh, I've got a shape. I'm going to get a jig made, which I've done. I've gone down that rabbit hole. And you know what? Then you just start cutting tone boards off of that and you don't learn. And so it's like, If you only did your multiplication tables up to five, you'd never know that seven times seven is 49. Because you'd just stop at five and say, that's good enough. Well, I want to know that eight times eight is 64 and that nine times nine is 81. And I don't know 15 times 15, because I'm just too old and I got a calculator. But the point of it is, if you sit there with a flat jig and mess around a bunch and can stay positive-minded. Man, the sky's the limit on how much you can learn on every single piece of wood you do on it, or acrylic, or whatever. And it's just, you know, people get, oh, this, this is the best call I can make. No, it's not. That's the best call you've made today. Yeah. Right? I think we're all capable of so much more on every aspect of life. And it's not that your best call might not be the greatest thing since sliced bread because it very well could be. But I couldn't imagine as someone that's really into loving call making, hitting a standstill point. I, I, I constantly want to evolve. Um, And it's not even about, oh, my call's better than Damien. I could, my call can be dead last as long as I'm learning and having fun. That is All the rest of the stuff's irrelevant.
1: You should have heard the shit I was saying about your calls down there in Toronto. Holy fuck, you're a rock star. Sorry, Dave.
2: No, the best piece of advice I ever had when it came to competition was, yeah, you came last place, but look at the other 9 billion people in the world that didn't participate. Yeah,
3: anybody that's at a competition, it doesn't matter what the event might be. Anybody that's in the stands watching, watching, wishes they could be you whether you're first or you're last for one reason or another they can't be and that's okay there's nothing wrong with that man i i love watching racing i can't be a
1: race car driver
0: you gotta be the eddie eddie eagle of making.
1: the eddie the eagle of call making. Mm-hmm. so on the racing point you should have seen benny craig mints and benny's buddy because I thought they oh, were all well. going to get into a big French kissing contest there at one point. They were yeah. all like, the three of them went off to the side and they were all, remember that, Dave? They were all off to the side and they were just like losing their mind. Anyways, it was funny. I,
3: I will say, I will say Craig's got one thing right.
2: Oh, yeah. oh I, I know it's coming. Yeah,
3: Asphalt's for getting there.
2: Dirt's for racing. That's mm. all I got to say
3: about that. He's got it right. So, but yeah, people just need to keep all that kind of stuff in mind. In my opinion, you know, like Craig won't go race with a 1983 motor and a sprint car because, uh, the best in 1983 is dead last now, That's right. but the best, the best this year probably won't <sighs> be the best next year because technology just keeps evolving. Right. It's, mm-hmm. you know, I go back to being in high school and watching people carry a briefcase around that they call the cell phone now look at them Mm -hmm. right
1: there still
3: just keep evolving and have fun with it right like it's
1: this was a very this was a very touchy feely emotional episode i feel
4: inclusive
1: (laughs) shallow and pedantic indeed Um, indeed indubitably
2: all coming from our older brother the step porn star
1: yeah that's right right. yeah Yeah, that's right you know, like, and it is, it, it's all good stuff. And, and it really is there. I I'm, I'm a big fan of, of including people. I'm a big fan of, uh, teaching and, and not being a absolute douchebag to people. I, I am a big fan of that. Um, but there's a time and a place when you have to be an asshole too. um, And I, and I'm a fan of being an asshole too. So, um, you know, yeah. And, and you, and you're right. So we, we had a, there was three gentlemen come by our booth the other day at that, the show. Sorry. And I keep going back to the Toronto sportsman show. And (laughs) yeah, I know, but I I was
2: hoping this episode would get them there.
1: Yeah. You know, (laughs) I'm going to go back to it for a second too but go ahead D. so this these these three older gentlemen right in their 60s and they're there and and they're walking around and chatting so they started asking me about Punisher Waterfowl and stuff like this and I, I'm giving them the spiel right on on who we are and everything I said listen I said are you guys on YouTube and the three of them are like oh yeah of course we're on YouTube all the time we watch a lot of videos I said well listen go on this go search us on YouTube and watch our show I said and then shoot me a message and let me know what you think now if you don't like it feel free to tell me you're not going to hurt my feelings. And I said, um, we're in a society now where people can't be honest anymore because everyone's afraid of hurting somebody's feelings or, or fucking going and, and someone getting, getting whatever, you know what I mean? And uh, one of the older gentlemen said, yeah, you know what? You're absolutely right. We can't, we can't say the truth anymore. And I'm like, well, you can with me because trust me, you're not going to hurt my feelings unless you come on and start uh, making fun of the way I talk and and stuff like that and being insulting uh, or ignorant, then that's probably going to hurt my feelings. But if, if it's a constructive criticism and you, and you're just, it's not for me because of this, this, and this. I got no problem with it. And, and I think that's what we need. So there's, there's a time to be inclusive and there's a time to be truthful as well. Dave.
2: No, I was just going to say the last point for me for the sportsman show is having someone like rusty around at all times and whether it's rusty or whoever it is, but the amount of youth that came up and said, Hey, I'm having troubles blowing mm-hmm. a duck call or I'm having troubles blowing a goose call. And they just, they're like sponges, man. But like, oh, yeah. we could have sat there and done seminars and it would have filled
1: every day with kids learning to call. And it's D- just- There was a lot of interest from the kids just to sit down, eh?
2: Yeah, it, it was pretty- yeah. And they sat there and listened and kudos to the parents for, for sitting with them and letting them go through it. And then the mom understanding like- Shit, when we get home, he's gonna be blowing a goose call all day, like. <laughs> and but, that's that's the big thing that I'm seeing now is you're getting, and and they're not afraid to ask for help, which is. I remember I was, that I kid. Happy to see that.
1: Remember that kid, Mark, last year, uh, Von Lloyd. He won. Uh, he run. Won, won the real geese decoys, young fellow, and we got him run a call. He came. And you by- guys
2: gave him a t-shirt that was like four sizes too big.
1: Well, he was, he had shoulders on him like a brook trout last year too. So, um,
2: fucker's been hitting the steroids now.
1: Yeah. He's been growing into it, but, um, the last episode we done with Craig mints and and Craig at the end of the show had said, you know, uh, anybody that comes to the show and says that you listen to, uh, the union zero four before the Toronto sports, show come up and I'll put together a package for you to the best of my knowledge that kid was the only kid that went up to craig mints and said that and he walked out like a fucking bandit craig mints loaded that kid up with so much shit to walk out the door with and and he he had it all written down he was like at this point you said this and then you were talking about like he had all these notes of the show just to show mints that he had indeed listened to it and he had all these points down and then fucking mints just loaded them up with shit and this kid walks off and and you know what um it 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 really was good to see it was nice to see um dave sitting over in the corner with a nine-year-old kid who wanted to learn how to blow a goose call and you're right dave when you said they were sponges because had it been an adult um you would have spent twice as much time to try and get them to make that note as you did with, with a little kid because they were just like that picked it up quick very quick the, the
2: coolest thing was i when it comes to blowing a goose call the th- biggest thing i remember is when rusty's like you gotta start slow and work your way up do one note learn that note do five mm-hmm. different tones learn them and then do five and then make it go up and down but and i was like ah well yeah whatever and then that's how i learned how and then uh-huh. this guy was there and he's like, I can't get it. I'm like, okay, show me what you're doing. And he was literally just trying to go from like zero to calling in a second. And I'm like, slow it down. And he's like, doesn't well, work that, that
1: way. Yeah. No,
2: I'm like, so then I said, the biggest thing you can do, go home, get on Facebook, look up rusty hair clock scale. And it'll tell you that you're, you're going from your tongue to just slapping the roof of your mouth. And you're trying to like push all the air and slap, just slow it down. Slap it a base. But go listen to Rusty's.
1: <laughs> Boys, we're at that hour, Mark. Um, and uh we should we should shut her down. Rusty, I know you got a bunch more that you want to talk about, um, which makes it easy because now you gotta come back again and, and have another chat with us. Um, Mark, Ryan, I know you guys didn't get too too involved in, in was, tonight's episode. Was there a
4: sportsman show in southern Ontario that's
1: <laughs> <in> <laughs> You see that? Yeah, just saying. You see that? You wait till the East Coast Sportsman Show doesn't happen, and you you know what? Talk all about it. And we're coming after one. We'll come down. It doesn't exist, but that's okay. Well, Mountain does one, don't they?
4: Actually, no. Halifax does one too. It just happened like a couple weeks ago, but it's it's not obviously not as big
1: as Toronto. Obviously, yeah. I gotta apologize to everybody about the all the Toronto Sportsman Show talk because it is a it is a big feather in our hat and something we're pretty proud of. so uh, so I'm sorry, but you're probably gonna have to hear about it on the next show too, just just saying, um, Rusty, buddy, um, again, you're a beauty of a human being, and I can honestly say that you are. Uh, a fucking really good sounding board for any of the crazy ideas that i come up with and you've even pointed pointed us in in a right direction on a number of times so your friendship is is amazing and uh i can't thank you enough someday hopefully i'll be able to repay you for everything that you've done
3: i've been keeping a tab
1: (laughs) (laughs) and that's the response i expected um boys let's do let's do a quick round of the table we'll give the last word to rusty mark to you buddy good
0: to when you rusty good to see everyone again uh, wish i could have been at the show sounds like it was a time
1: well uh, you know what i got a pile of stickers left so that tells me that you weren't at the show
0: that means somebody failed
1: mm. oh
2: man those magenta stickers
1: they went like hotcakes <laughs> just saying that's pink for all you real other people.
2: Yeah, but someone said that they're magenta when I said they were pink. and oh. Aggressive salmon. Aggressive yeah. salmon, yeah.
0: Yes. So, I guess you're going to Grimsby in August. That's the next big show going coming yeah. up. Yeah,
1: that's the next big one.
0: I probably won't make it to that one either. <laughs> but uh, Just, uh, you know, it sounds like it's going to be a good time. I mean, it sounds like uh, Sigulik is getting uh, Jim Shockey to go there. He keeps talking
1: about <laughs> No, no. Jimbo. Jimbo, sorry. Yeah, Jimbo. But, uh,
0: that'd be kind of cool for someone that high profile to show up at the show anyway. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, boys, it's good chat.
4: Brian. Yeah, thanks, Rusty, for hopping on and chatting with us, even though Damien dominated the mic about his his refuge. But congrats to him and Dave. That was a big hit. I'm glad to see it worked out. I know how hard you guys worked on that and how long you guys worked on that, so I'm really happy it was let's follow along on social media and uh, it's good to see it. It was everything and more you guys wanted it to be. No but, big deal. Uh, not a big deal. Yeah. Not a big deal. Yeah. But hopefully Rusty comes back on again and good luck in in the competition there, Rusty. Uh, I've been following that too. And uh, yeah, see how I'm, I'm curious to see how you, you do in the next
1: round. Oh, so, okay. We got to go. We got to do, we do have to touch on Rusty in, in three minutes or less your idea for the show, because no one's going to see this before Sunday anyways. So, um, because I know what you told me, but I think you're rejigging things now, right? Nah, nah,
3: rejig nothing. I'm just going to do me.
1: What's me Going
3: to be, well, I hate turning acrylic, so it's not going to be acrylic. I'm going to turn a wood call. I'm going to flute it. I'm going to try and carve a feather out of moose antler and attach it. And if I fail, then I'm going to produce a box of splinters.
2: And that's about <laughs> it. <laughs> can you have like the, the feather carved beforehand to just, well, play play it? like, like, can you have your inlays pre pre-sized?
3: So listen, you guys know me. I always try and be politically correct. I think this is the fourth time I've been on the show. Don't hate me if I'm wrong. Cause my memory sucks i don't remember yesterday i okay. think i've made one swear word in the entire four episodes so if you want to be a chicken shit and prep all your stuff they've made deals where you can make arrangements with the other call maker you're going against to get as much stuff ready as you need to i ain't scared of nothing i might fail i might fail like an absolute madman but aside from having a band potentially because i might even get a little creative there aside from that we are going start to finish in one hour that's insane we're going for all the guts all the glory and there's a really good chance we Eddie Eagle the ever-loving crap out of there <laughs> and come up short in our 1992 Olympic bid. Uh, I've never attempted to flute call. I've never attempted to carve moose antler, but it sure sounds like fun.
2: <laughs> oh, yeah, it does. I when you started that, and you're like, if you want to be. I was like, Oh, you know guys, what
3: I wanted to say?
2: You were going full on fucking Pokemon. It sounded like, I don't yeah. Think it, yeah, my per- kid,
1: yeah. I have no idea yeah. what full on Pokemon is.
2: The, the Pokemon theme song starts with like, if you want to be the very best, like no one ever was or something like that. And I was like, Oh fuck, he's going to say it. And I'm going to have to get my son to tell me if he did it right. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, Rusty buddy. Good luck. Dave. Yeah, man. Um, kind of like what Damien's been saying like I don't think thank you is enough um behind the scenes the stuff that even that day that I was having a rough day and you just called me and like you're you're one of the true humans that are amazing so appreciate you buddy and uh yeah you're you're that inspiring amazing big brother right so
1: yeah, that means you're older than all of us, Rusty. That's how we think, view you.
3: I think Dave just called me fat, too. That hurt.
1: Mm. How? Where? Inspired? Big. <laughs> called <laughs> me, Call me big. That's big all I heard bro. was big. Too. Mm. Yeah. He keeps throwing out this big brother vibe, too. Mm. That means I'm... you're older. Yeah, well, now you got me thinking of old alicia Cuthbert. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Well, as long as it's not uh, curry and chocolate milk, you should be all right. Rusty, to you.
3: So Damien kind of threw me to the wolves a little bit tonight. You know, I hate being unprepared for stuff. And he definitely threw a couple curveballs and even a knuckleball into me here. Mm -hmm. So I held this gem up and I know... Immediately what Damien and Dave were thinking. But listen, this isn't what you think it's going to be tonight. This is my curveball. Are you guys ready for the Toronto Sportsman Show 2024? The Intercontinental World Calling Championships are coming to the refuge. Yeah, they are. We're going to have a meat duck, a goose... A cut-down duck. Yeah, yeah, that's right, Dave.
2: I, I'm just seeing explosions. I, I got to fucking edit this. This is... sorry <laughs> for <I'm laughs> swearing.
1: I'm happy. <laughs> Ryan, you got to all... make the hold trip. You got to make the trip. Hold
3: on, hold on. It gets oh. better. Oh. To... If all goes well, we're also going to have a Stuttgart World Qualifier. First time being back in Canada in forever.
2: Because
3: Punisher Punisher Waterfowl is all about being inclusive. That's right. We are. So We want everybody to show up and show out. So callers, if you're listening to this, start planning. Because it's not going to be little. Kids, if you're watching this and you need help, all you have to do is reach out. Dave is going to put a link somewhere, somehow, for somebody to reach out to any one of the five of us here. We will gladly help anybody that wants it. Doesn't matter if it's calling, mm-hmm. call making, hunting. I think about the best thing that I get to take away from the Toronto Sportsman Show 2023 is just how invigorated you guys all made everybody there and how inviting you were to everybody, especially to the youth and kids. If you're watching, it doesn't matter what you hunt with. It doesn't matter if you have the latest and greatest or great grandpa's hand-me-downs. All that matters 100%. is that
1: you're hunting. You're getting out. That's all that matters. That's all that matters.
3: So reach out to any of us. We'd be glad to help.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, you heard it here first. And if you don't listen all the way through, you're missing out big time. We are coming back, um, Ryan Mark, Sorry, we're coming back. Twenty Twenty Four Toronto Sportsman Show. It's going to be bigger, going to be better. Already got people lined up, knocking on the door. Um, they seen what we've done, and they love it, and they want to be a part of it. And just to make that a little bit more incentivized, Ryan, is that a word? Incentivized. Oh my um,
4: God, just keep going, Damien, please.
1: Yeah, so <laughs> to give you a little bit more incentive, listen, we're, we're putting this together. Rusty is going to be the, the brains and the brawn behind the operation and we're going to pull this together. It's going to be unlike anything you've seen. And um, again- the only way to to keep up is to keep listening to the union 0430 like and subscribe on our youtube channel give rusty Heron a, a follow check him out listen get on the call nuts and uh, it it's pretty funny because you can be co- commenting as the competition is going on and you can and you can throw some throw some pretty good remarks out at the boys and they're usually they're usually reading along as much as they can so get in on call nuts watch this check it out. Um, Everybody, I could keep going on, but uh, big love uh, until next time.